Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm well. How so, are you? I am all right. Uh, we're here for the uh, January edition of the uh, Cast Iron Fitter podcast. Um, we've got a bit, sort of a busy month coming up. Uh, there are two uh, well, social events, really. Well, we've got a social event coming up on the 27th of January. We are having our January Blues Party with Pop Heart Productions. Who are his right nice. in the <laughs> Another fabulous local theatre company, and um, yeah, that's on the 22nd, no, 27th, 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 27th. Um, um, basically, pod, uh, Pop Heart, I'm basically our PA and secretary in time, and we should say um, yeah. uh, about the uh, that sort of social event, which is presuming Ed's. Um, on the 27th uh, it's partially for if um, you're interested in what Cast Iron and Pop Heart do if you are an actor director writer who's interested in connecting with other actor writer directors because okay, especially at this time of year when everybody's gearing up for Fringe uh, there are actors who go nobody will cast me or there are directors desperately looking for actors and those two people never meet literally there's two people they meet it's, it's, it's very sad um, and so that's one of the uh, Impetus behind yeah. uh, that that meet. Apart from that, just to sort of chill out and chat yeah. to people, like-minded people. Yeah, we'll be taking over the whole of Presuming Ed's, which is a cafe and a bar in the evening. In so the road. yeah, we kind of got it for the evening from seven o'clock till midnight. Yeah, so pop along, uh, mingle, meet, see what we're doing for the rest of the year. Yeah. have uh, a chat with us. No, yeah. Br- bring so. like-minded artistic people. I mean, don't bring like um, l- tons of biker friends. We don't want it to be a John Hughes movie uh, from the <laughs> mid eighties. <laughs> Um, yeah. what, what else do we have? We have in the uh, beginning of February. Uh, the, okay, so we have got uh, Cast Iron Playground. Yes. Um, <coughs> which you can explain. A Cast Iron Playground is a thing that happens every year, which is going to be here. It's going to be in this room. And it's free. And essentially it's... Um, Kind of like the meet at the um, Presuming Eds, but a, a bit more focused in the sense that there'll, there'll be um, people who are working on scripts can just bring their script, even if it's in an unholy, dreadful first draft state, and uh, meet actors who are going to be happy to read them out. Or if you're, again, an actor who d- just doesn't get seen enough by directors and you want to put yourself out there, you get a chance to read a script. Uh, and it's just a and we'll be providing some practical theatre games or improv games. Just a, a, a very low-key, relaxed way to sort of... Um, you're gonna, I'm going to say this, and you're going to ha- respond with a straight face. It's going to be a low-key way to play with one another. <laughs> oh, come on! I've got one smirk, you shake yourself. <laughs> and that's on the... Is it the 4th of February? Uh, Sunday the 4th of February, Yay. from Yay. 1 till 5... Um, and it's here, um, and it's completely free. Yeah, I mean, do uh, get in touch on Facebook and, and leave a comment on the uh, Facebook site if you want to come along, then we get a sense of numbers. Uh, please don't, and this is a general thing for life, actually. With, if, if any of your friends uh, do like a birthday event, or any of your friends are putting on a show <laughs> and stuff, or if they've got a bar mitzvah coming up or whatever, don't do this. This will make your, every life happier. Don't say, as your only comment, I can't make it. Because then I want to coach other people to go, yeah, I'm out of town. And then all this poor person has got is a long list of people saying they're not going to turn up. This is you protecting your voice. If you're not, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not going to turn up, shut the fuck up. (laughs) But you'll 
very well. Yeah, but could you, yeah, come along, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have also another Cast Iron Podcast Live. That is on Wednesday the 20th. I'm really concerned about your voice now. Uh, Wednesday the 21st of February. Uh, and we will be speaking to Richard Hearn, who may yes. be in the room right yes. now. Yes. Local writer. Woo! Um, we'll also have music from Judy Bignall and Lisa Kyra. <laughs> Always pronounce that one. Got it right. Gonna edit out. This um, and they are from the com- local comedy troupe Fantasticals. Uh, they will be doing parody songs. Yeah. One or two Ooh. parody songs. Um, and that's on the twenty-first of February. And then we've got Cast Iron Shorts Fake, which is uh, short stories uh, performed live on stage. And if you are a writer and you would like to write a little prose. Um, the theme is fake. Take that whichever way strikes you. And we're looking for submissions now. We're looking for uh, 1,500 words thereabouts on that theme. It, it could be loose, but that's the yeah. reason why we're mentioning it tonight is that the, the submission window is now open. That you yeah. can write a short story based on, on the idea of fake um, because, you know, frankly, the word fake has been in the, in the air quite a lot lately. Somewhat. And uh, 1,500 words, if somebody's reading it, is roughly about 10 minutes. So that, that's you know, like a good amount of time for like, exactly the normal type story. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be political. You can take no. that word wherever you want it yeah. if you don't want to see anything obviously current then you just rock and roll do yeah yeah on. yeah and that's it for february beginning it is i want to give a quick shout out before i get our guests up i want to give a quick shout out to a friend of the podcast who has been on the podcast before uh yvette may who has her one woman show uh that was very successful at last year's brighton fringe and it has been uh it's going to return at two theaters uh that frankly we're not affiliated with but we love the show so much yeah. that we want to uh, shout out about it it's called 10 steps to happiness uh that is the first of those showings this month is on uh, Thursday the 18th of January next Thursday and that's at the art studio in uh, the art cellar art studio in Worthing and the second of those is in the printer's playhouse in Eastbourne on Saturday the 20th of um, January both those rooms are reasonably small rooms so you know when people say oh book now otherwise tickets will yeah. uh, that's a reasonable warning actually because the rooms are quite small yeah uh, that's kind of it really that's it we're done yeah thank you for coming to the podcast goodbye oh no (laughs) welcome to the uh, cast iron theatre podcast recorded live at the sweet venues duke box in brighton tonight our guests are oliver dahl and rob marks Fantastic. <laughs> We've tried out a different configuration of chairs and table every... The first uh, month was a very much a question time sort of uh, vibe, um, which meant that I got very David Dimbleby and just kept leaning forward <coughs> on the table each time, which again made it difficult for the edit. Yeah. And then uh, last month, it was... We were kind of in a bit of a row, a different configuration, yeah. and, and again, the leaning was a problem. So I expect you had a Santa hat on as well. So every time you leaned, I'd be going... Mm, and then the hat. So I spent the entire time like this. All yeah. that my experience of the <laughs> um, but how, yeah. how is it for you tonight? It's great because I feel safe. I have a desk and a laptop and a tech because I like you know techy bits. Yeah. Um, 
but I feel part of the action. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like you can lean, you can not lean, it's not going to block. I, I've just got a lovely view. It's great, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> you are as well. So let's talk about the uh, lovely gentleman of which you have a lovely view. Uh, hello, Oliver. Hello, Rob. How are you both? Very well. Very well, thank you. Uh, so we should, because um, there may be some people in the audience and people who are listening to us right now um, who actually don't know who you are, particularly if they're not that actually... That would be surprising. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ego gauntlet. Well, because it's a joke, that's a joke. I've been thrown down. I know, I know. Because you're, yeah, now you're acutely aware this has been recorded for posterity. Um, so Oliver, um, who are you? Uh, I own a wizarding shop. As you do in Brighton, and that—that's it, really. So you, you say you own a wizarding shop, as you do. Yeah. Um, how old are you? Uh, twenty-six. Uh, twenty-six. So you are of a of a perfect age because we, we we will be speaking about Harry Potter and, and Harry Potter related things later, and a significant amount of what's being sold in Oliver's Brighton is Harry Potter mm-hmm. merchandise. Uh, you're, I am guessing, if my maths are correct, like the perfect age. You grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Well, not with him, but yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> you weren't living in a cupboard under the stairs. No. No. I was actually way extra behind him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was your first experience of Harry Potter? Um, I don't know, well, I got given the Philosopher's Stone from yeah. a relative and I read that and then the film came out and one of my friends at the time, he was going to watch the film as well and we watched that together and it, it was that moment of clarity where you think, you know, this is real because yeah. I was like 11 years old sure. it's the same time as Harry goes to the school and uh, there was a chocolate frogs on sale in the co-op yeah. uh, in our village that we were living in Oh, actually, he was living in the village. I was, I was not normally allowed in the village, but I was in the village. And uh, <laughs> it's it's like Hogsmeade in film three. <laughs> and uh, that was it, really. It was just, you know, eleven years old. You think it's real. You know, you, I, think you can actually get a letter and you can go to Hogwarts. Yeah, I do remember being. I'm a little bit older than you. I do remember. Uh, being slightly behind, somebody laughed as if that wasn't obvious. Yeah, I, I know, I know. You could be twenty six. Thank you, Benjamin Button. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a joke. So basically, I look like a badly CGI'd Brad Pitt. Good. Um, I I am a touch older, or oh, a lot older uh, than yourself, Oliver. And I do remember um, picking up the third book. I wasn't really aware of the Harry Potter sort of um, phenomenon until the third book came out, and I picked it up and in a bookshop, and I had found myself reading to about chapter four, just there. Before I, I had to put it down, oh, I, do you know what? I seem to like this. I'm going to have to um, come back and um, look at book one. Michelle, um, do you remember your first experience of Harry Potter? I was training to be a teacher, so 2012 yeah. or something, and so really late on, and uh, there were lots of books that, that you take away with you so you can learn what children are reading, yes. what they have run, read, and I never read it before, so I took it away and went, right, I shouldn't, because kids know about this. And just completely fell in love with it, yeah. and and just bought all the books. And I was able to watch the films because they'd already come out by then. Sure. So watch the films first, which I kind of like, and then go back and kind of watch it in slow motion by reading the book. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Love doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I just completely fell in love with it. And Rob, you um, historically you have been a, a teacher. Were you teaching when those books were out, or had you already left teaching by that point? Do you remember? Um, yeah, the, the the books had come out. A lot of the kids, obviously, were, were very into Harry Potter. But um, 
what I taught was determined by the national curriculum. Of course, yes. So <laughs> it tended to be John Steinbeck and William Shakespeare. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although J.K. Rowling's Of Mice and Men would be a, a oh, peach yeah. of a read. Um, um, and Rob, uh, you, you, you have been teaching, but you, you left teaching some time ago. What is it that you do nowadays? I run the Guest Walk of the Lanes in Brighton. Uh, so uh, well, what is that, uh, for people who might not know? Well, the Ghost Walk of the Lanes is a 75-minute walk around Brighton's uh, most haunted quarter. There are, um, we, we, we take in about eight haunted stories, um, eight haunted sites, and the tales attached to them, dressed in, uh, suitably dressed in uh, Victorian gentlemen's attire, top mm-hmm. hat and cape, and uh, a Gladstone bag uh, with a few props relating to our stories. And uh, it's very much in the spirit of Brighton, if you use the pump, and people seem to enjoy it. We pull in a lot of uh, tourists and locals, and um, lots of language schools, and hen parties, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I keep meaning to put a thing on my, uh, on my website saying, hen parties welcome, but no inflatables, please. <laughs> Uh, I've had that once or twice, but um, they're usually private bookings, so you have to be careful. Uh, so there are no families involved. But um, yeah, Brighton, Brighton actually came up as being um, one of the most, the most haunted city in England yeah. uh, recently, a, a couple of years ago, in one of the national papers. So, yeah, it was always York and uh, Edinburgh, and of course York was where I started doing a ghost walk. Yeah. Uh, begin with and that's worth uh, underlining that the that report talked about uh, Brighton being the most haunt, one of the most haunted um, cities in, in in the UK because when people uh, might ask you are these stories true mm. uh, what tends to be your standard answer well they're all long established accounts I mean whether you believe or not, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all down to belief, isn't it, with a lot of people. You know, they want to believe. Um, ghost stories and stories of the spirit world have pervaded all kinds of cultures and civilizations for thousands of years, um, which is very interesting. Um, the tales in, in, in Brighton here are all very long-established and well-documented. And... Uh, a lot of people, I would say the majority of people come on the ghost walk for fun. Yes. To enjoy it, because they like a good yarn. And if you think about the number of films, books, short stories, plays that have been written about ghosts and ghost stories. I mean, I, I originally got into it many years ago, because I, <coughs> I, I go back a few, few, few more years than Oliver here. Yeah. And, uh, Apparently we both do. That, <laughs> I go back a few more, but uh, uh, many, many years ago, as a kid, I remember watching um, Algernon's tale, uh, Algernon Blackwood's Tales of Mystery yeah. on TV, and it was introduced by um, a very, very well-known uh, old Scottish actor called John Laurie, who many of you probably remember from Dad's Army, and John Laurie used to begin telling these tales, these Algernon Blackwood tales of mystery in the guise of Algernon Blackwood in his study and that voice and those big yes. bulbous eyes and then it would go into a half hour ghost story and that actually always stayed with me Yes. Um, um, and I do actually perform sometimes do in-house shows as a character called Charlie um, as an old, well I don't really need the makeup now of course to <laughs> I always remember that very yes. much from, 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 from John Laurie, but um, 
yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think people enjoy a good ghost story, whether you believe or not. And the, and the point being that um, uh, it's almost a, a matter of honour, really, in that you haven't invented the stories; they are the genuinely local stories that have been passed down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't embellish them in any way. No. Not not like I can uh, speak of. I've adapted things to to. Uh, to tell on the street because it's different than a story on the page yes. and edited and changed things around a little bit uh, to build up dramatic tension. But we, we put in a lot of comic respite. Yeah. We, uh, we take, take what we do seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we have a lot of fun with it. And, and you need that comic respite in between, you know, the dramatic <laughs> <laughs> We should uh, acknowledge for our listeners that uh, you, you may be hearing the sound of a poltergeist in the theatre. <laughs> it, it's not, it's a lovely a dog. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> Well, they, they do say animals, particularly cats and dogs, have an extra sensory perception. Yes. Yeah. So we I don't. When you started, you started talking about the spirit world. Mm. The dog was not. It's facing the door now. Yes. <laughs> well, we we do have a story about one of the pubs that's um, the it's um, it's there's a lot of poltergeist activity happened there down the years, and uh, it it was the uh, the pub's cat that first became most aware of. Um, the, the poltergeist activity and began hackling its fur and spitting at something it appeared to see in one particular area, though nothing was ever there. Um, no. I should de- uh, declare an interest um, in that um, there, is, there, is, there are three ghost walkers on the uh, Brighton Ghost Walk of the yes, Lanes. Uh, Robbie is, is sort of the creator and head uh, ghost walker, and I am one of the other uh, ghost walkers. There's also a gentleman called Julian. Mm. Who, uh, <laughs> I don't often get applause in this sentence. <laughs> it's putting me off my stride. Um, uh, and um, you were saying about sort of uh, people who sort of have responses and whatever. Um, we often get asked um, whether or not we ourselves, as ghost walkers, um, believe or have seen apparitions. Uh, but also, what happens is occasionally people who are on the walk will tell us or apparitions or ghosts that they have seen on the walk themselves. Mm. Uh, my personal experience of that is um, somebody who, uh, after the walk had finished, um, took me aside and said, oh, um, there was a presence, there was a being standing next to you throughout the entire walk. Uh, and I said, oh, that's, that's, that's fascinating, that's interesting. Um, and she said, he agreed with most of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a very interesting turn of phrase. <laughs> Not liked most of the stories, but agreed. Which, if you think about it long enough, that, me- that implies that at least some of the stories are actually true. <laughs> and then I felt compelled to ask her, oh, what did this ghost look like? Uh, to which she sort of glanced at me and said, well, he looked a lot like you. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Presumably at some point I end up dying and haunting myself through history. <laughs> I, I, I had what, a similar experience. Yeah. Somebody asked me, she, she t- took me aside after the show. She was um, a medium and she said, did you know there's a, a spirit following you throughout the walk? <laughs> and I said, no. All these, sometimes on photographs, these little orbs mm. show up. Yep. And they yeah. do reckon it precedes paranormal activity, believe what you like. 
But they turned up. She said, oh, you know, it's following you all the way until we get to the cricketers, and then it, it disappeared. And I, and I forgot to ask whether it was a, a good spirit or a yeah. bad one, but I don't know. I, I haven't had any bad experiences. I don't know how you felt. Same one. Maybe it... Very possibly. Mm, could be the same spirit that walks with whoever walks the ghost walk. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you felt this, Rob, but um, I've always had a concern that if I, you know, got knocked down by a car or had a heart check while doing the ghost walk <laughs> and I came back as a ghost, I would be dressed in Victorian attire. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Victorian attire bought from, you know, a modern supermarket, but still, everyone would assume that I'd actually died in 1897. Indeed. Um, Oliver, well, people do ask that. Yeah. They do ask, do, do you believe? And then people, like, as you say, they they'll recount experiences they've had in absolute earnest. Yeah. But I do think I do have to say. Well, I think you know, seven seventy five percent of the time, there's often a logical explanation. Yeah. I run the ghost walk and started running the ghost walk and the ghost show I did in, in York as a vehicle for entertainment. I have since written a book, a small book on the ghosts of the lanes here, but. I think 75% of the time there's a logical explanation. There does seem to be a grey area, which I wouldn't be dismissive of. No. Because we don't know. We don't know. Oliver, um, have you had any sort of uh, paranormal activity? Um, No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I would like to say yes. Of course. I mean, I could make something up. (coughs) No, I mean, it's probably out there. But that's actually quite a, a pleasing answer, really, isn't it? Because um, it's a bit of a boring answer. As, as, as you say, you would have liked to have said yes, but um, considering that the the business that you, you've set up, uh, which is Oliver's of not, not Oliver's of Brighton, it's literally Oliver's, Oliver's Brighton, um, which is on um, Trafalgar Street. Yeah, which is kind of below the um, Brighton train station. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you know, quite literally a magical place. Um, yeah, I mean. The thing for me that I really liked is that you walk through this like rainbow tunnel. Mm. Yes. It's kind of Mario Kart esque. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> geek fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's your market. <laughs> no tells. Uh, and yeah, and then I learned recently this lady came to the shop, and she said uh, I used to know the neighbour of you know the the, the people who used to stay in the house, and they had fourteen kids yeah. apparently roughly, and it was a gang. And then what happened was eventually they lost the house for whatever reason. Yes. And then this gentleman inherited it and it became a bit of a, uh, I don't know what the correct term is, but a, a naughty shop. Yes. Uh, I don't know what listens you have. You, you, in yeah. You, you, <laughs> right, Trafalgar Street was quite naughty, <coughs> apparently. Uh, That's okay. why I got told. An adult shop. Yeah, an adult shop. An adult. And he... All the streets leading off yeah, but <laughs> well, you know, apparently. You seem to say that you did that. And um, anyway, that, that was the case, and he had a, a fair few mistresses, yes. apparently, this man. And one day, he well, there's a back room of, of the back of my uh, shop, which is now an apartment. And apparently, before he used to take his mistresses there to, to play over, over games they played. And, uh, and, solitaire. Uh, no. Yeah, solitaire, Monopoly, that type of thing. Uh, very vigorous things. And uh, anyway, he, he passed on, and then the mistress got the shop. And then she passed on, and then the son and the daughter got it, and they didn't really like each other. And then I got it. Wow. So who knows? I mean, don't know. I mean, underneath the floorboards, when we did it up, there's like an old sofa, but. 
There's no bodies no on the <laughs> I like the fact that the entire <laughs> sofa yeah. was on the floorboards. There's only half the sofa. Okay. Mm. That's even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> That's not more comprehensible. Which half? Like half down um, the middle? Just half down the middle, it seems. And it was kind of, yeah. Half down the middle? Not even just the seat? No, just half. Oh, wow. I thought, I thought you were going to say that um, you had experience of paranormal. No, because just half the time. People, you know, if they were both very fond of the place, they often say spirits linger there they could, because they, they form could. an attachment, refuse to pass over to the afterlife. We've heard noises. But yep. I've got, I've got heavy breathing know. in the night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I well, yeah, no, not that, but um, yeah, just the odd noise and that, but nothing. No, like people wearing blankets or nothing more. So how de- how delightful is it? So, uh, I've loaded I've loaded the question somewhat, yeah. but how delightful is it to be able to um, run a shop that's uh, uh, imbued, I assume, by a child of passion? Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I've got to put it out there now. Uh, I'm not affiliated with yeah. Warner Brothers. So anything to do with Harry Potter is an independent shop. Yes, uh, made by myself that sells official Harry Potter goods. So yeah, okay. in, um, in much the same way that H- <laughs> HMV is not affiliated with Universal Studios. You know, you're just selling uh, products that we would recognise yeah. from that uh, franchise. Yeah, it's all official. It's not off the back of it. Indeed, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I was, I, I, it was a drunken idea, basically. I was Fantastic. in um, uh, China and, and I was drunk. And uh, as you do, you know, it's the best place to be drunk in China. And I went to a virtual reality. Cheap beer. Uh, yeah, cheap beer. And I think most of the time, I don't understand the currency, so I think it's cheaper, but it's pretty more expensive. <laughs> and uh, I was in a virtual reality uh, conference trying to find a new business because I thought virtual reality is the thing like nowadays. Sure. And it, it, it wasn't uh, for me, but it was funny because I did those of that. And, I like uh, the idea of a virtual reality conference. Um, do, people, do people actually go to physical rooms? Yeah, or do no, they... it's all open and there's just booths. And yeah. it was so weird. It was one of the weird, like, uh, a lot of weird things. How good is life. the VR at the moment? It was amazing. Yeah. I was the only white guy and they loved that. Yeah. Like, they were just like, oh, there's a white mask, get him over. So there was like loads of cues and stuff, but they were like, oh, come on, because it's all for video. And they, they, it. they didn't think you were a product, surely. I, I, That's <laughs> they might have thought I was a robot or something. Yeah. Uh, I think most people, when, you, when you're in China in parts, if you are not from China, they think you are famous. Okay. Uh, so I pretended I owned Alton Towers, uh, <laughs> which, which they believed, which is great. And I'm and, in no uh, way affiliated to Alton Towers. No, I'm not affiliated to Alton Towers. And uh, I did all that, and, and nothing really stood out. And, and then I was in this bar, and I was rereading the Harry Potters, so I was like in Chamber of Secrets or something, and I was just like, wizard in shop. Yeah. Obviously, but it was was wizarding wizarding shop uh, slash maybe holiday home, but I didn't do the holiday home. No. And then, then when I got back to England, didn't just like appear. I was like looking around Brighton, and I met a guy. What was it? I went into a building, not just casually. I booked a viewing in a building. I walked into a building, and um, I booked a viewing. And I met this guy, and the, back, the flat wasn't that great. And then he said, oh, by the way, the dude owns a shop downstairs. And the shop downstairs is 100 Trafalgar Street, which is um, like a second-hand clothing shop like Dirty Aries. And, yes. and then he was like, oh, I'm buying a shop, 42 Trafalgar Street, in a flat. Um, but I don't want a shop. Do you want to buy it? I was like, oh, I'll have a look. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there are about half our audience who are just unable to comprehend how <laughs> casual that is. <laughs> And then, and then I met these builders. Yeah. 
No, I was on a viewing um, and with a friend, and then there was this man called Gene there who I found quite funny. And he was like, I'm a builder. And I was like, all right, great. And uh, he said, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, I'm doing a shop. Do you want to build it? And he said, yes. And uh, him and his boyfriend built it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 60 days later, opened a wizard shop. What? <laughs> what I like about that. <laughs> what I like about that is underpinning all of that is a power of yes. Of, yeah. of just going, uh, I have an idea. Should I do it? All right, then go on. About um, not being manacled by is this a stupid idea or will it work or financially will it will like be successful in the first five years it's going I'll give it a go and it, and it going ahead yeah yeah kind uh, of underpins cast iron it does it, or, uh, absolutely in that term good, good segue um, <laughs> in that old idea yeah the power of yes and uh, yeah. accepting and, and going forward um, Rob uh, you alluded to this earlier uh, for you your relationship with um, ghost stories doesn't actually originate in Brighton. No. Now, originally, it, it, it came about not from any great interest, really, apart from, as I say, when I was younger, I quite liked a good yarn and, 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 and liked um, certain ghost stories. There used to be those pan books. and. That's right, pan oh, book of horrors. Yeah, yeah those, those, those were pretty good. I remember reading some of those. But it started in York. I was living in York and teaching in York, and uh, there are lots of ghost walks in York. And I have a lot of little, I don't know if any of you have been to York, a lot of little back streets and that. It's a very old city. It was a Roman settlement, then the Vikings, Ebor Arkham and then Jorvik. And um, we had Twittons here in Sussex and uh, Brighton. They're called Snick- Snickleways in, um, in York. And uh, I think there are probably about, about four ghosts, four or maybe five ghost walks there. Anyway, a company wanted to start a the idea, the concept of a ghost cruise on their river cruises. And knowing that I'd done work in the theatre, they asked me if I'd put something together. And so, so we, did a, we did a ghost cruise. Yeah. And that's really where I started. And, uh, and then when you came down to Brighton, there wasn't necessarily no, that sort of thing I mean, going on. It, it was strange, because we did this, I ran it for about six years with several other actors, and... Uh, I've done it in the guise of this old Victorian ferryman. I think he was called Joel Crowcroft or something like that. Yeah. And then, because I had to, came to Brighton, I was looking for a house. I'd been looking to move here for many, many years. An uncle of mine had um, moved here when he retired back in the 60s. So I knew Brighton, but fate had taken me in other directions. And uh, when I was looking for a house here 10 years ago, and I didn't want to do any more teaching. And I wanted to... Does any teacher want to do well, any more yeah, teaching? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've talked for about 16 years on and off. And anyway, I just wanted to carve a little niche for myself back in entertainment. And I, although having run the ghost cruise in York, I had no... Uh, sometimes in life things are glaringly obvious and you don't see them. And I hadn't thought for... I could run a ghost walk in Brighton. Yeah. And it was only when I was down here that I found a book of ghost stories. And they were very good, very good stories. A very yeah. good, well-detailed, well-documented book by John the gentleman John Rackman, yeah. the Brighton Ghosts and Hove Hauntings. And I found that the ghost stories in the lanes were, it's, were very good. As many ghost accounts of hauntings are just, a, you know, there's a, a such and such a hotel, <coughs> room, room uh, number 13 is meant to be haunted by this woman in, dressed in black. Well, that's fair enough, but it's not really, doesn't really make a story. Um, 
but these all had a good beginning, middle and an end with lots of embracing much of the history as well. So I, um, I then went away and it was three years before I actually found a house here, um, by which time I'd, I'd scripted it and done a feasibility study. Yeah. Uh, so I was ready to roll as soon as I hit town. And in fact, when I moved here, I started it two weeks after I'd, I'd moved in. And how long is the ghost walking this year? How old is it? This is the tenth year. Tenth Ooh. anniversary this year. Um, we asked our audience um, a couple of questions as they came in uh, that we're going to share with you. We asked two questions. We asked, um, if you're a witch or a wizard, what uh, would be your spell and why? And we also asked, if you could haunt anyone, who would it be and why? So you can see the, the connection with both our guests tonight. Uh, so we're going to pick a, a few. Not, <laughs> we, we haven't got really time for um, sharing all of them, but I'll share some of them with you. If you could haunt anyone, who would it be and why? Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> because she's used to it and I've all and I've always loved pottery. <laughs> if you could haunt anyone, who would it be? And why? Donald Trump. Maybe give him a fatal heart attack. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that on a um, public podcast we can um, signal um, rights, and, but to be fair, you know, um, as was evidenced this morning, we're not likely to bump into him anytime soon. Um, what else do we have here? Um, if you're a witch or a wizard, uh, what would your spell be and why? Uh, to make wishing, well, uh, wishing wells really grant wishes. One wish each only. Oh, does it say that? Oh, it does. It, and it says something else as well. One wish each only. Choose wisely. Oh. Specific. Yeah. Like if you could haunt anyone, who would it be and why? David Attenborough. Oh. Because it would be interesting and I don't think he will be scared. <laughs> Which is quite cute. Um... <laughs> Because haunt, haunt anyone, who would it be and why? My mum. <laughs> She'd be up for it. <laughs> I'm left with more questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Strap in. Uh, <laughs> if you could haunt anyone, who would it be and why? Bitches. <laughs> anyone who is a bitch. Man or woman. <laughs> I don't mean bitch in the positive sense. Bitch, please. <laughs> is that someone from this audience? Yeah. That is some... That is somebody less than four feet from you right now. <laughs> so for your questions and answers, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so, um, it's fair to say, I think, for uh, both our guests tonight, um, I wanted to ask uh, you, Ollie, uh, Oliver, um, I keep saying Ollie, because uh, I'm thinking also <laughs> of um, the wand shop that we, we know in Harry Potter, and you, you've got a 
I guess a, a connection, uh, not necessarily with the original one shot, but um, definitely not. No, Just no, for no. Same. same. Not. <laughs> for those of you um, who uh, may not know about Harry uh, Potter mythos, uh, when a young witch or wizard is um, getting their first wand, or indeed the one that will serve them for their for their lives, uh, they don't choose the wand. The wand chooses them. And it seems that even in um, a sort of a franchise, if you go to a, an official franchise uh, shop or Warner Brothers studio, that's still true. Uh, yeah, like I went to Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I was in there, and I was like going around, as you do. And I went to Osaka, where they have Universal Studios like they do in Orlando. Uh, and, and they have an Ollivanders in the Harry Potter world, and there's like 40 people going to room, and they choose someone. And normally, I, from what I know, because I'm going to America in July, uh, to the Universal Studios there, it's normally like a little kid, like this birthday or something. Yeah. But again, because I was the only white geezer, they just like that. And uh, they just chose me, and it was just really bizarre. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah, you get to choose a wand, and you, you go through different ones, and you, you know, says, oh, is this your right wand? And you do it, and it's like, Something bad happens. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Are there like effects? So you wave the wand and then. <coughs> effects, is good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you wave the wand and. Yeah, you do, and you go. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. You're shot. Yeah, yeah, wow. and, uh, and yeah, it's really funny. Um, what's, your, what's, what's your wand made of? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, settle down! It's, <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going that way. Uh, it's, well, it, I don't know, it's, it's, um, oh, yeah. it's only it's resin, it doesn't sound that exciting now. No, no, but, no. no yeah. But I've got a gentleman who was in the well, look at franchise that. who hopefully you can hold it if you want. Oh, thank you so much. I don't let everyone hold my wand. Yeah. <laughs> um, look at that. But I do have another one, hopefully, at the moment being made by someone that was actually in the film. So. Oh, beautiful. Oh, lovely. But the really cool thing is, uh, in, in Universal Studios, when you do the ones, you go to particular areas and you do a spell, and it'll, if you do it correctly, it'll react. Yes. So you, you do something and it does something. I don't want to oh, spoil wow. it. No, no. Wow. I hear stories, uh, occasionally you, you, you see sort of people's um, status updates going viral, and I heard a story a couple of years back of somebody who uh, in London who had... Um, put their oyster um, chip, or the oyster card chip, at the end of a wand. So rather than <laughs> tapping the oyster card as they went to the train station, they would just flash their wand and the doors would open. Wow. Which is a thing of beauty. Um, You're saying as a, as a Doctor Who fan? Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, that could work for a sonic screwdriver, I yeah. think, yes. Mm. Uh, of which there are many different sonic screwdrivers, um, many different ones. Um, yeah. Rob, how you're currently uh, in the Brighton Ghost Walk, you play a gentleman called Silas. Mm. Um, is Silas anything <coughs> like you? Silas, Silas is a Victorian gentleman. Uh, yeah, um, I, yes, I suppose he's like me in certain ways. Yeah, my, my, my fiancé's about to move into my place and um, we're just giving it a bit of a makeover because I've had it extended and she said I want to make it less like a gentleman's club. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm a bit like some... <laughs> I wasn't aware of it, but yeah, possibly, yeah. yes. What I found certainly in terms of when I've been doing the Ghost War, uh, the, the, the average audience is like... Because uh, um, even after 10 years, people who live locally will just suddenly turn up. There's very rarely yeah. a night in yeah. which nobody will turn up. Oh, yeah. um, and so there's often people who turn up who are either passing through Brighton or passing through England that day or yeah. um, have lived here for years. And 
the average audience is about 15 or 20 uh, on an average yeah. uh, particularly in the, the high season um, but occasionally on a, like a very cold night at the start of the season it might be less than that it might be four or, or three and I find that the personality of, of uh, Jasper for me the, the character that I play has to be very different if I'm telling the stories to 20 people or occasionally on, on a Halloween night 80 people yeah. and um, when it gets down to um, sort of like two I'm not going to be doing quite so much. <coughs> well, we, often, we often have large audiences. We do. So, yeah, you know, it, it does vary, and then, then, then we do private bookings as well. So it's not uncommon to have large audiences, yes. so much so that we split groups. That's often. right. Uh, if we've got 60 or so on, on mm. although we have taken 60, I've taken 60 or more. You said you had 100 earlier. Yeah, mm. I have had as many that. as that. That's, that's too many, really, but we have, have done that. I've had um, uh, around 100 on a, on a Halloween night, mm. and um, occasionally, um, if there's enough time, the, uh, the ghost walk will go down what's now uh, been nicknamed Quadrophenia Alley, mm. which is where that scene in Quadrophenia was filmed, uh, where there's um, a young man and a young woman who meet in the alleyway, and, and they, you know, they say hello in a, a cinematic fashion. Hug. A special hug, yeah. yes. And uh, one Halloween night, when I did have about 80 people um, trundling through Quadrophenia well, Alley. Did you go down the yeah, yeah. That, and that, 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 was, that was fine, but what was somewhat startling was um, the young punk couple who had chosen to um, spend a, a lovely time down <laughs> Quadrophenia Alley that night and were somewhat startled by this unending stream <laughs> of people, you know, some of which were wearing Halloween masks. <laughs> I'm often reluctant to go down there because there there often is an an unending stream of somebody doing something up against the wall. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Silas is much larger than life, so no, he's not. He's not. I was play him over the top really and have a lot of fun with it. But it was interesting you saying about the rabbit because we turn up on the streets, we're dressed in Victorian attire with a top hat and cape, and. we, we don't really get an awful lot of heckling or we anything don't. like that. It's very rarely, but you put yourself on the fly and be dressed like that. We get people who see you and they think they're saying it for the first time. They say, bring out your dead, or they're, oh, yay, oh, yay. Yeah. It's anything that a town crier, or it's Jack the Ripper. But I've had people say, take the rabbit out your ass. <laughs> so, Oliver, you spoke about, um, obviously, a good proportion of your customers are children. Um, do you, as the proprietor of Oliver's Brighton, uh, looking resplendent in velvet and purple, uh, do you have a persona? Are, are you? Do you feel that you have to put on an act for certain customers? No, I don't no. Know. I just like mess about. Yes, it's because, all a laugh. I know yeah. people just keep turning up. It's yeah, really funny. I was yeah. like, we, we uh, came on the <laughs> on the second day. We were there on the second day. Yes, and there was day. queues, and uh, you were coming out with the the Bertie bots. Bertie bots. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. I was like, yes, I like it here. Do, do uh, you? Um, this is feels like I'm speaking to a, a drug dealer. Do you? Do you consume the products? Do, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I try not to. Yeah. I've been trying to collect all the chocolate frog cards. Yes. And I, today I got all of them. Today. Oh, fantastic! Uh, the last card I was looking for was Ollivander, who's the wand geezer, and um, so one of the the shop fans. She got it for me. She got it in the chocolate frog. She gave it to me. Fantastic. It's oh, really nice. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't know. It's just a laugh. Yeah. People just keep turning up. I don't yeah. know why. And, um, <laughs> they seem to like want. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> and I, I don't know really what I'm doing. A really lovely online community that you've, yeah. you've got and built up. They're so... Yeah. yeah People are just funny. Yeah. And what's important, I think, about both uh, The Ghost Walk of the Lanes and um, Oliver's Brighton is that they are very loosely what I would describe as particularly... Brighton uh, experiences. Now, now I, I know it's true that you could have a uh, a shop that sells lots of Harry Potter merchandise in any city in the country, or indeed the world. And I know that there are many cities, uh, as you say, York and Edinburgh, for instance, where there are ghost walks, and there indeed are many. But um, they seem to me both the shop and the uh, the ghost walk. They seem to be like. Tourist, tourist destinations. People would actually make a trip to come to Brighton purely for that, those events. Is that fair? It's it's become more so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With social media, that people find out about the ghost walk because because I'm linked to so many other tourist sites, mm. websites, yes. um, things to do in Brighton, things to do in Sussex, days out in Brighton and the like. Yeah. So people pick up on it. Yeah. And people from abroad phone me. Have picked up on the site. They've, they've obviously looked in to visit Brighton or yeah. things to do in Brighton, and have found the Ghost Walk. So a lot of student groups come on. But we have a lot of fun on the wall. I must tell this anecdote. Yeah. I think this is funny because we do get a lot of strange things happen on the wall. <laughs> and as I was saying, that we put ourselves on the line, being out there on the street dressed in all this Victorian garb, and uh, we we used to. Keep all our gear at a little, a little bar in um, Little East Street. We now keep it at the Druid's Head. So we always finish, start and finish at the Druid's Head pub in Brighton Place. So I just finished the walk one night, and I was walking back to this little bar that was then Northern Lights to take my costume off. So there I am, dressed in my cape and my top hat, walking across <laughs> um, Bartholomew Square, and there was one chap there. A little inebriated, took one look at me and said, "You bloody upper classes, you ruin this country." He <laughs> 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 obviously thought I was looking for my carriage and I'd just left the opera. <laughs> Be off with you! <laughs> I, remember, I remember one night when I again when I was in costume in the in the in the uh, the cape and hat, there was, um, very near to the Druid's head, there was a young uh, student uh, with lots of friends who had, um, I think he'd um, lost his insulin, so he was diabetic and he'd had, oh, a, bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd had a bit of a collapse, yeah, yeah. and the English was quite weak within the group, so they sort of like homed in on me to uh, work out um, how to sort of phone for the ambulance, etc., and then they asked me, who has no real medical training, if I could help sort of revive this boy. If I could sort of like sort of, you know, give him a light tap or sort of talk to him and get him, get him back, back into consciousness. Which I was happy to do, but I was disturbed that when he then awoke, the first thing he saw was a gentleman dressed as an undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> was probably not the best thing. Um, although I do, again, in costume, I do remember sort of uh, doing the ghost walk and uh, a middle-aged uh, woman um, spotted me from in the sh- uh, across the street where she was walking with her girlfriends and she shouted across the street pointing at me directly, I've had a go on that and it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all kinds of strange things do happen on yeah. the walk because uh, a few years back I, w- I was uh, just finishing finishing off the walk and there were a couple of nice ladies sitting having a, a glass of wine outside the uh, Druid's Head and I said, oh, don't worry about me ladies, I'm just finishing the ghost walk. 
And I finished and I said, oh, can we have a picture? I said, yes, all right. And then we got chatting. I said, well, should I have a glass of wine? Oh, I don't mind if I do. <laughs> and, um, anyway, I'm now in, uh, engaged to one of those ladies. Oh, <laughs> what I love about that story is that there was, you know, for, for us who are very uh, sort of right on, bright on sort of people going, ladies, talking to ladies, but then the end of the story was so lovely and engaging that, that we really like that. Um, we're hurtling towards the end of our uh, chat, uh, and I've got a couple more questions to ask you before we get there, but we should sort of really um, give you the opportunity to literally give a, a shout-out to your respective businesses. We, we've spoken a lot about, about the address, but we haven't really spoken about opening times or, or what it is. We haven't even really spoken about what, what you sell there. You, you, are not, you are not affiliated with Warner <laughs> Brothers Studios or J.K. Rowling, uh, but it's Oliver's Brighton. Yeah, uh, it's in 42 Trafalgar Street. Open seven days a week, ten till six. Just sell magical stuff, really, yeah. today. Again, people just turn up, so I don't know, I just don't want to say really. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's great. Yeah. Mad fun. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that it was a tea that you, you had that I can't say. The oh, the diadem. Raven, yeah. 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 Uh, the Ravenclaw diadem. Diadem. Which is a Horcrux. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I noticed that today, I was like, could I, could I carry that on? Probably. You could. I think I could. Doesn't fit my head. Yeah, day wear. You, you on the second day of uh, Oliver's Brighton, you bought me a piece of um, Harry Potter merchandise, which I'm wearing tonight, yeah. actually, in honour. Yeah. Uh, a pair of um, cufflinks with uh, nine and three quarters, which is the uh, the platform in um, King's Cross. Oh, right. yeah. I didn't um, pay him to wear those. No, 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 no. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I believe they filmed some of Harry Potter in your on York Street. I think that's right. Yes, well. yeah. yeah. Well, they yeah. certainly use the North York Moors Railway. Yes. Which runs from Pickering up to Gromont. Yeah. And I used to mm. I used to go to where they filmed Heartbeat. Ghostland. Gro- Ghostland. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic Heartbeat. Harry, yeah. Harry Potter, Heartbeat. It's all there. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Rob, uh, the ghost walk is currently off season, but that's not the case for long. No, we run the, the public, the private walks run all year round. The private group bookings run all year. Which anyone can book. Anyone can, anyone get, can, can book any time. Yeah, you know, groups of fifteen plus, so they can book those any time, any day of the week, across the year. We have a little break um, during December and January, and we're starting up again on the 30th, Wednesday the 31st of January, and we run the public walks on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7.30. And Saturday as well. At, what did I say? Yeah, I didn't say Saturday. Yeah, four nights a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and at um, 7.30, uh, from outside the Druid's Head pub. And we take in eight haunted sites around the lanes. It's worth pointing out that there's no need for anyone to book. There's no need to book. No, you can just turn up. The, the, the public walks we just do on a turn-up basis, so just turn up. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a question, that, or a series of three questions, that we ask all of our guests uh, on the end of most podcasts. And uh, one of them, because you're both Brighton residences now, um, is there anywhere in, in Brighton that you would tend to hang out, that you would, you would have um, a cup of coffee or, or look broody and meaningful uh, with a glass of whiskey looking at it. Is there any way that you, you would tend to hang out? Oliver, is there a place uh, that you like to hang out? Uh, Prince Albert. Yes. Just have a little pint in there. Which is further up the road, isn't it, from where the shop is? Is, is that correct? four doors down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Chris, the owner, is quite funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just get drunk in there. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And Rob... Is, sorry, I just want to point out, I'm not an alcoholic, because it does seem most of my stories are <coughs> alcohol. Uh, That's what an alcoholic would say. <laughs> I have an alcoholic wizarding shop. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Do you, right. yeah, but we don't sell any butter beer. 
Uh, yes, Rob, is there anywhere that you hang out in Brighton? Yeah, I tend to, um, I tend to have a coffee at um, a little cafe at the end of New Road, which yeah. is not, pretty nice in the summertime. A little uh, cafe Italiano. It's a nice, nice vantage point. You yeah. can sit in the sunshine on that side of the uh, street there. And the staff are all nice there. They do nice little snacks and things. Yeah. So I'm, I'll often while away an hour or so there. Yeah. Maybe do a little bit of writing, have a read, look at the paper or something, have a coffee. Mm. Such a nicer yeah. answer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's like picturesque. Isn't it? Isn't it? Is there, uh, for both of you, is there um, another podcast that you're listening to at the moment? Is there a, a series of Netflix that you're demolishing at the moment? Is there a book that you're reading at the moment? It doesn't even have to be new. It might be something that you've just discovered that we all knew about that you'd want to recommend to the rest of us. Uh, oh, too much, really. Yeah. Uh, obviously, watch Stranger Things series yeah. two. That was mad. How long did it take you to watch that? Did you, did you binge just it? Just a day. Yeah. <laughs> just a casual Domino's yeah. evening. Yeah. With a rabbit in a Chewbacca onesie. But, yeah. um, <laughs> the rabbit was in a Chewbacca onesie? No, I was in a Chewbacca onesie. Oh. She whispers that she was yeah. in a Chewbacca onesie. I think she thinks I'm a big rabbit when I wear that because it's just perfect. Yeah. Oh. But uh, other than that, and book-wise, I just yeah. finished Cujo. Oh, lovely, Cujo, yes. Yeah. What did you think? It's rad. Yeah, I like yeah. Stephen King. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I like about um, well, Cujo itself, the, the book is, is very good. What I like anecdotally about it is it was at the time that um, Stephen King was... Um, he was enjoying drugs for quite a significant degree. Really? And he, he says that, um, in retrospect, he very much enjoys Cujo. Now that he's reread it, he, he quite likes it. He only wishes that he could remember writing it. Oh, <laughs> sick. Um, uh, and Rob, is there anything you're watching or listening to at the moment? Uh, watching. Or reading? Yeah. Um, I've, I've watched The Crown. Oh, yes. I actually got drawn Crown. into it yeah. last year, the first series, yeah. I have mm. to say. I thought it was very, very well scripted. Yeah. yeah. Performances and the, and, and the detail, mm. everything was very, very good. Yeah. And uh, so I've just enjoyed watching the next one. <laughs> I've watched some of the Black Mirror. Yes. Yeah, that's Um, really good. They're good. Depressing, but good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Somewhat, interestingly, it's, um, for in many ways, it's the modernisation. It's a full circle of the anthology programmes that you were watching when you were younger. It's Mm, it's mm. the modern version of that. It is. It is, yeah. And, And very, very near to... Reality, yes, with the technology, dystopian. That's right. Bookwise, I'm reading a just finished a book off that I've had sitting on my shelf for some time, called um, Victorian London. Yes, um, by a writer called Jerry White, and it's a wonderfully researched book. All the things you thought you knew about Victorian London, mm. yeah, <laughs> that you didn't know, oh. and. Um, it covers every aspect from all the seediness and mm-hmm. to oh. um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of seediness and all the areas that you know that I know very well because I, I I used to work work in the West End for many years and uh, things that are all fitting into place. Yes, mm-hmm. place names that you know there were lots of German immigrants in this particular area mm-hmm. and French and. And how all kinds of things fit fit together, um, mm. but you know it's very well, very 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 readable. Yeah, Victoria London, Jerry White. And um, for both of you, the question that we uh, tend to throw at people and flummox our guests with is, 
has there in your life been an idea that you had, like an idea for an invention or a new franchise of movies or a book that you thought of, didn't actually do anything with, and somebody else has got rich and famous. Oliver, you're already nodding. <laughs> You've got an answer. What? I've, I've been dropping things out of my pocket for the past <laughs> half hour. That's what it's part of it. Yeah. Um, so, Oliver, what was your idea? I've dropped uh, a few things, but the main thing was a cello. So, a long time ago, it was, like, really hot, right? Like, really hot in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, the best thing at night in the summer is when you turn the pillow over. And you're like, oh, damn, no. that's cold, right? <laughs> so I thought, why not have a permanent cold pillow for the summer? The chillo. So I wrote it down. Oh, well, hang on, wait, don't clap yet. I wrote it down, and in the morning, I looked at this bit of paper next to my bed, and I went, the chillo. Oh, that idea I had. Googled it, already been done. Wow. Oh. A year ago, yeah. A year ago, you yeah, were, so you were quite so close. close. But to be honest, I don't really know anyone that has a chillo. No. no, so I think it's a load of rubbish. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, Rob, um, I'm guessing you haven't invented uh, a frozen blanket, so no, not as yet. The one thing I think I I did I did think of many many years ago, and I, as I say, I go back quite a long way. And in the early sixties, I'd uh, got into many groups. Obviously, the time of the Beat Boom, yeah, and the English groups. There was one American band, and I first heard them was the Beach Boys, and yeah. I got into to the surf music, you see. And I actually thought that, well, where I grew up in London, you couldn't go surfing, but um, I thought, um, maybe you could put wheels on a surfboard. Oh. <laughs> now, I don't know when skateboards actually came in, but I, I remember actually thinking about, you could put wheels on a surfboard, and you could probably, you know, Maneuver it or that's fantastic. Yeah, or something like that. Well, you were right. You were right on the cusp. There's a film called Z Boys in Dogtown, which is exactly about that. There was a drought in the early '60s, uh, and it was very difficult for the kids to surf, and because it also um, coincided with the drought, all the swimming pools in the local area had no water in them, but they had curbs. And skateboards sort of existed at that point to a certain yeah. degree. They didn't come back to the 50s. I can't remember when they really, really yeah. came in. But this is the point that while they had already existed in some form, mm. skateboarding as we know it as a sport hadn't really kicked in until no. this point. And the surfers basically were now low uh, skating and whatever on the curves of the swimming pools. Oh, right. And uh, that became a real phenomenon at that time. Yeah. Um, so it became very much not a, not a kid's thing, yeah, but an yeah, adult yeah. thing yeah. where it would become really sporty. So when was that? That was around the time that you had the idea. So you were, you were right on that. Yeah. So close. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> So on that um, somewhat startling, but make, makes you sound really cool, Rob. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than the that, chili, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cold pillow, skateboard. Oh. But both at once. <laughs> a skateboard with a mini fridge. No? Okay. <laughs> one one of you. Uh, we, we've lost it. So um, that uh, beautifully brings us up to the end of the evening, doesn't it? It does indeed, yes. Would you like a recap of uh, our dates at some point? Uh, we'll, we'll speak very quickly about the dates. So what we have um, coming up is what? So as well as our improv, which is every Sunday here. At the Duke Box Theatre. At the Duke Box. So this month that's the 14th, the 21st and the 28th. We have the January Blues party at uh, Presuming Ed's with Pop Pop Dutch. Come down, 
that's on the 27th of January from 7 till midnight. We have got the Cast Iron Playground on the 4th of February here. It's a free event as well. And then on the uh, 21st of February, we have the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast live again. This, uh, in February, we've got Richard Hearn and the uh, Lisa and... Judy from the, the, the Lisa Fanny, and the Judy. The, I was going to say the Fanny Tascals. We don't have the full lineup. That that would not be true. We have a Judy and the Lisa from the Fanny Tascals. Yes, we are still open. <laughs> We're still open submissions for short stories yes. for our upcoming event called uh, Fake, which is an evening of short stories. You can find us on uh, the website and it remains for me in what appears to be literally my dying breath to, uh, <laughs> to say a uh, big thank you and uh, implore for your implores for our guest tonight, Oliver and Rob. Thank you so much. <laughs> This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.